1: Hey, it's Casey Coop, and welcome to the Freak Show Podcast, emphasis on free. As a comedian, stripper, and recovering addict, I've been blessed with a bevy of colorful friends. I've always been drawn to unique people whose fresh perspectives broaden my worldview and challenge my beliefs. Um, both the comedy and strip clubs have introduced me to fearless, unapologetic souls who push me to grow. I feel like Dr. Doolittle sometimes, except for with scumbags instead of animals. <laughs> Now scumbag isn't a derogatory term to me, but rather it's a variety of badass that deviates from the norm. Veering away from the traditional interview format, the freak show features intimate conversations that my guests and I would have in the locker room at work or in the back of an open mic. It's neither contrived nor prying, treating guests as zoo animals, but an organic rapport that we already share. I talk with friends who are living free, be it from drugs and alcohol, societal traditions or shame. Being truly free means being a bit of a freak. So let's bring on my fellow weirdos and let our freak flags fly. So my first guest is a good friend of mine, a DJ and sober feminist, Charity Bubblewrap Redding. Welcome Charity. Hi mama. I am so happy to have you on my (laughs) first. I'm so happy just to hang out with you for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) On my bedroom floor. We're literally crisscross applesauce. I feel like, but that's like our vibe though. Like you're like a sunshine spirit teenager. (laughs) Like you're, you're the definition to me of what being sober is. Like. Okay. I like that. I always see you. And like, ever since I first saw you, you've been like, just like a free spirit and a sunshine beam. You know, see, I stalked you online for a while. (laughs) I don't know know. who it
0: was. I think it was a mutual friend of ours um, had said, do you know Casey? You and Casey need to know each other. And then you like showed up in their thing and you were saying something feminist and loud and proud. And I was just like, oh, that's the Casey girl that so-and-so said I should. And I added you and I was like, I just, and then I read your column and I was like, oh Oh my God. God. I'm like, I just want to let you know that you're like my internet, (laughs) like you give Uh me life. Because I feel like I'm always the only one on, like, especially Facebook, Yeah, saying the things that I say. And then yeah. you show up, and I'm <laughs> like, yes,
1: <laughs> You're not the only one. But that's why I like the internet. As much as people shit all over the internet, they think, like, oh, blogs are evil and annoying. Like, no, it's given all these groups who didn't have a voice a big platform to connect and to get their message out. And I feel like meeting other feminists, like, for a while I felt like I was, like, standing alone in a cornfield, shouting at the top of my lungs, like, trying to convince people that, like, women have worth, <laughs> but then the internet's because of that, it just, like, slowly magnetized other people who, like, give a shit about women.
0: Yeah, it's very true, and I feel like also the thing that's happened is, like, there's that saying that, like, people can talk shit on the internet to other people, like, when people troll us, because it happens all the time, mm-hmm. um... Uh, because there's no repercussions. At the same time, it's a mm-hmm. safe space for us women yeah. who normally couldn't say the things we say online mm-hmm. to say because mm-hmm. we aren't going to have a man physically attacking us Physically as attacking as to happen. We can
1: press the block button, and occasionally, yeah, I have gotten death threats, and they're horrifying. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. But, like, until there is a human being standing in front of me with a fucking weapon, I'm not going to shut the fuck up. Like, you know, there was a minute where, like, I was, you know, I had my column or even right after, and I was still, like, kind of featured in a lot of things, and I'd get these really menacing or literally threatening messages, like death threats, and, like, I, I cried. I cried all day one day. It's not like I'm, I'm that fearless. I'm still a human being with feelings, you know, lots of them, unfortunately, but I talked to my mentor, and she just, like, told me, like, well, you know, is someone else trying to quiet you going to let that happen? Are you going to let that happen? And I was like, oh, actually no. Cause like then they win anyway. Yeah. Like they're really just trying to silence you. It's ninety percent likely that they're not going to actually attack or find you because I think if they really wanted to do that, they would just get out there and do it. You know, where I work, the strip club I work in, I'm very open about online. And like my boyfriend was asking me the other day, he's like, aren't you scared that like someone's going to be able to find and stalk you where you work? I was like, but they would have found out anyway. If if someone wants to know where I work badly enough, yeah. and even if I had kept it a secret, you know, they could... F- they can figure it out. You know, Mm -hmm. people can stalk anything nowadays online. Yeah.
0: I believe it's called doxing or something where like somebody finds all your information out in order to come find you off of like online thing. Mm -hmm. I'm super involved, like not involved, but like I'm a huge Reddit reader, which is Mm -hmm. like my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And I, and I, it's a really great place to get news from for me because you get to see both sides of everything. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of, um, like there's a couple subreddits who have gotten closed down because they were doxing, like oh. um, like the anti-feminist subreddits and of stuff course. like that, yeah. because they were they were throwing people's information online isn't in it, order
1: to attack them. Isn't it that Reddit has this big meninist movement coming up through it though? I've always they had do. like something against Reddit. I've always yeah, hated Reddit. Yeah, they do.
0: They have the red pill movement, and oh, they God. have um, what's that? The neck beard. But but the thing is. The red pill are basically the guys who are the men in this. That's where it's starting. Like that Milo, yeah. Milo, what's his name? Milo, oh, the blonde, weird yeah, the
1: blonde, yeah, the crazy guy, guy. that
0: All the stuff happened with in Berkeley. Yeah, he is one of those guys. It's a big red pillar. Like a lot of those guys are all. It's all the same, quote unquote disenfranchised, oh crybaby mm-hmm. white m- white men. You know what I mean? And um and, and and that's there are a lot of those guys on there. But what's cool is you can you can go on there and kind of sit back and see what they're all about and you realize that you all they them. are. Yeah, you can watch yeah. them, but the, and there's this whole other movement of people who are like LOLing at them like oh okay. we got the 4chan yeah. neck beard which is like <laughs> a new one that I just learned which is like yeah yeah a guy a guy who's in his basement like on no, the internet I've know? never
1: met a decent guy with a neck beard okay that's
0: probably a lie
1: actually I know some uh, scruffy comics but I love the beard I like
0: the beard look but I just don't want the yeah. attitude that
1: seems to be attached to it and
0: but I'm not totally going to, I'm tr-
1: my new thing is I'm trying not to like put
0: people in boxes, even though we do anyway, you know Yeah, what I mean? you know what's the
1: coolest is, like, every time I look at someone, like, a stranger and I judge them, it's, like, this weird, like, reaction my brain does to, like, put extra effort into getting to know that person, yes. because every fucking time I end up being surprised, learning something new, and making, like, a good friend, like... Almost all my best friends are people I didn't like at first. Yes. Because I judged them. <laughs> you know? It's, true. it's crazy. And and people that I kind of like initially hit it off with and maybe on some surface level we liked each other. Usually it doesn't work out in like a lasting friendship for some reason. Like Yeah. I don't know. There's something Especially about Especially in the strip club, I see that happening all the time. Yeah, you so you're a DJ in a strip club and obviously I'm a stripper, so we have that in common. Um, yeah, it's weird. My strip my stripper friendships, like it's the bitches that we, like, hated each other at first. Like, mm-hmm. that now are, like, my lifelong friends. Yeah. It's weird. It's,
0: it's, like, it's like the joke, like like, being on our side of things. Um, you say, like, two girls are fighting one week. Oh, they'll be making out the next week. (laughs)
1: And quite literally, because it is the strip world, like, I remember there was, like, this period at my club um, where, like, the girls would come in every other weekend, like, yeah, three of us had a threesome with a dude we picked off Hollywood Boulevard at random last night. That was, like, a series of, like, events in my club. (laughs) Yeah, I ate Angel's Box last night. Like, it's just, like, a whole, like, people just, like, the girls getting down with each other. We have a very close kinship at my club. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's funny because um, I'm still friends with a bunch of girls that I worked with years ago, and we're in, like, this Facebook group together. Mm. And somebody posted a bunch of pictures from back then. I think it was, like, 24. And, um... there's a picture of my boyfriend and me and, like,
1: five girls. And oh, we would slept yeah. with all of them except for one. <gasps> oh, my God. Charity. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember you telling me this. So, we also know each other. We bond because we're both sober. You have almost five years, yes, right? Yes, almost five years. And I have almost two. And I remember you telling me about your drinking and using days back before you got clean. And, like, you were dating, like, a drug dealer or something? Yeah, I (laughs) was. A drug
0: dealer, like, hundreds of pounds of weed. Like, I literally... My life was a cross between um blow and um sex in the city kind of like yeah. it was just chaos for just like, like a trashy sex in all the city. of my 20s Me from too. like 19 to 28 when I moved to California wow. was just incomprehensible chaos like yeah I, it was I a relate. lot of fun
1: I really but... relate yeah, yeah so you said like you and your drug dealer boyfriend would like bang all your stripper friends because right? we had
0: all the ecstasy yeah <laughs>
1: Wait, how many consecutive days in a row did you say you were on ecstasy at one point? I think
0: we had done it almost straight. I think the, our longest bender was like 20 days in a row. Wow. And then we would take a few days wow. off.
1: Didn't you say you were high for a year or something? Yeah, like literally
0: that? I was high for a year.
1: But you're so with it. Where did the brain cells? Maybe <laughs> they just know. morphed into smarter brain cells. Like-
0: <laughs> I mean, I do have these moments. Like, like recently I was at a gig and I was playing mm. And I completely blacked out. I was like, <laughs> blanked out. I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, sometimes I have those moments. Like, little, like, you know, little like glitches in, yeah. in,
1: <laughs> in the matrix. <laughs> but you look great. You're killing it. But it's wow. like, I,
0: I almost want to, like, I keep saying, and I need to actually do it. So if anybody's listening and they know how I can do it, find one of those people who studies, like, people mm-hmm. who have done massive amounts of ecstasy. Yeah. Like, the effects on their brain. Like, I want to get a brain scan. Yeah. Just to find out.
1: Recently, I heard that. The, that it was a lie, all those quote-unquote studies that came out that it eats holes in the brain. I don't yeah. know if that's a lie or not. What Did you hear about that? I did. And you know what's really funny is
0: I think because we were getting really good stuff because we are getting it straight from a lab. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's the reason why I haven't lost it, you know? Mm. Um, but it's also like one of those things where um, uh, I think because I've also always been really about eating healthy and taking care of myself. Yeah. On the other end of it, I Me think too. You know, since in the last 10 years, even before I got sober, I was like, yeah. yoga, yeah, yeah. wheatgrass, ginger. Lot, I've,
1: I've had a lot of friends over both <laughs> my using days and my sober days. I've had friends who are like super into blow, but also like vegan and juicing. And maybe, hey, maybe it balances out a little. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. So what made you get sober? Like, what was your like defining moments do you think? Oh, gosh. I mean
0: just being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, I guess I'll Mm -hmm. speak openly about it because we were talking about women who have, um, you said earlier, which I love this part of people who have decided to do opposite of societal norms. What got me sober was an abortion actually. Really? Um, and you know, I'm, a very vocally child free. I just got myself fixed That's six right. months ago That's right. with greatest thing ever. I will Good never have to worry about it again. Good for you. Um I wish I'd known I had that option before, you mm-hmm. know the oops. Um but I'm really grateful for it, you know. I was homeless sleeping on my girlfriend's couch and I was knocked up by my ex boyfriend. Wow. And um <clears throat> and you know, it's just it, it was time and I tried getting sober before and then um And then that happened, and it was just... Wow. It it was like, it's time. Like, it's time for me. But at that point, I had... I was addicted to opiates, which as I don't know if you if that's in your story, I can't it's remember. Not, no. um, I had to go to medical detox. Yeah. And every drug I ever did before ecstasy, it was just like, okay, I'm gonna smoke weed for a few months and then I'm over it. You know what I mean? I didn't really mm-hmm. do ecstasy after the ecstasy quote unquote years. No.
1: Um. <clears throat> yeah. It's not like a continuous drug like yeah crack or opiates or meth is something you're just you're in when you're in.
0: Yeah. And and I like they always say like you know we always joke around like oh mm-hmm. if I ever got a free pass it would totally be ecstasy but old ecstasy not the new stuff because i did it like six years ago mm-hmm. on new year's eve was like the last time i think i did I think it it's just
1: meth now it's like it all is, this it's cut just, with meth and mm-hmm. it's so meth heavy yeah, it aaron's is. nodding his head he knows yeah it's we've just, bought drugs together before yeah it's just, just over it's very speedy you mm-hmm. know and it's just cracky it, it is and your heart is just <laughs> cracked out yeah, so... But opiates, that's... that's it a, was gnarly, man. I feel like that's a typical addict story is, like, it ends with opiates, it seems. Either by death or by sobriety.
0: Yeah, and thank God. Yeah. I'd had a foundation from trying to get sober before. Mm-hmm. And I had enough really amazing people around me that were like, you know, girl, like... You don't got to live like this, you know? And So um... who were
1: these people that helped you get clean? Because I know I had my share of, like, it was a handful of comedians and actually just seeing another woman who works on my strip club who's sober for, like, 16 years, and I saw her having the most fun out of anyone doing the job I was doing that <clears throat> I still wanted to continue doing. I didn't want to become a goody-goody. I didn't want to get clean and someone to tell me to put on a business suit and, like... Cover up my tattoos, you know. I still wanted to be me and I wanted to know there was a life for me in sobriety, even as like a rebel and a wild child.
0: Um, that's the thing is like, there was our friend Mr. Wilson who, you know, um, oh, I love him. but I actually, ha- we weren't speaking at the time because I had relapsed and I kind of lost track of him mm. for, for two years. And then, <clears throat> and then uh, it was actually a group of girlfriends that I have that are normies, you know, who were just like, Girl, when you, I remember you being happy when you were sober before. And I was like, Honestly, that is the happiest I ever was, was when I was sort of sober before. What was the period of time for your first sobriety? Um, it was like 2008, and I got sober in 2012. Yeah, 2012. So
1: you were sober for like a minute before. Yeah, I was
0: sober for like a year. Okay. And then like towards the end, I was like taking dirty cakes and stuff. It was just like gnarly, you know, okay. know what I mean? Okay, yeah. And, um, uh, and, you know, I just, I missed, you know, that sort of thing, you know? Um, that like spiritual side yeah, of life, yeah, and think. like even though the first sobriety, like I was prescribed pain pain pills, so mm-hmm. I was still taking them during that first sobriety, but it, it's like they tell you it's like progress, that not perfection. It's like that stupid mm-hmm. thing they say, you know. No,
1: I ha- I, th- I have to think of that <clears throat> terminology every single day because every day. you know I'm in a relationship now, and I haven't been in one in five and a half years. I think you and I both share a lot of childhood trauma and abuse mm-hmm. growing up. from yep. what I remember you saying. And it's really inhibited me from forming connections with other people, like true connections, sans drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, true connections with people or trusting other people. And I literally, I have to like fucking give myself hugs and pat's on the back and little like little treats, like a puppy dog or like a small child. Because I'm like, why do I have these big trust issues? Why can't I just simply move past them, um, like some people can? Or why can't I just trust people? And, you know, that just goes back to a lot of abuse from my childhood and being both shown and told that I cannot trust anyone.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And so every day I have to tell myself progress, not perfection, because I am progressing so much. I'm a different person than I was even a year ago, At a year sober. I feel like I I think differently. Mm -hmm. I view situations differently. And... the perfectionist me just want to beat myself up, and be like, "You're not there yet. You don't trust everyone completely yet. Why are you glancing over when his phone lights up? Why are you um? Why are you like letting fear inhibit you from putting on your own comedy show? Why are you not the glowiest, glower sin? It's like okay, like we have to give ourselves a little pat on the back, progress, not perfection, because like I used to be like nearly fucking homeless, carless, like stripper, alcoholic." sex addict, you know, just, just living to die. Just living mm-hmm. to die.
0: Ubering everywhere.
1: <laughs> Uber everywhere. It's not so yeah. glamorous. <laughs> it's That's so glamorous. not when the Lyft and Uber drivers are picking you up and dropping you at the strip club in the middle of the night and trying to get with you while you're sobbing oh, in their car. Yes, that part, man.
0: Uber everywhere. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> my
1: ass. Because I had my
0: DUI. That's the other thing that happened right before, oh, no. um, like, towards, that was the beginning of my spiral. In 2011, in October, and and for me, like honestly, I have to say, like they like there's that song, "Nobody Walks in LA." Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, nobody mm-hmm.
0: walks in LA. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, that was the best thing for me, like taking trains everywhere. I got a lot of reading done because you know I had to reset my whole brain. It's funny. I was telling my my friends, quote unquote, new band members, um, mm-hmm. about my um, <clears throat> childhood last night. It's funny that you bring it up, and they're like, "How did you end up like?" Coming out of all of that, like yeah. like that thought process, which is poverty mindset, yeah. you know, um, old school uh, patriarchal mindset that a woman has kids and stays home and you know does whatever, you know, and um, and I told him I said, you know, I one I have no idea, and two it's. I I did a lot of reprogramming of myself. Reprogramming. Because, and I feel like.
1: rewiring of my fucking brain is what sobriety is about.
0: And I feel like women, period, right now, Mm -hmm. that's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. All all women. women.
1: Yeah. Because we're finally getting a voice and and standing together and fucking holding hands in unison and, like, allowing each other to have that. It was so rad. I had this really rad moment. Um, The other day, I was shooting with my friend Lizzie. Rad feminist girl, I love it. She like grew out her armpit hair. I was just like so excited to see it because I had grown mine out like four years ago, and everyone was like, "You're crazy," you know. <laughs> but it's fun to see it become like a thing now. I love it. She's like amazing, and she was taking these rad photos of me, and we were having a lot of fun. And her roommate jumped in, and he's a dude, and he's like, "Can I snap a few?" And I was like, "Sure." And then she pulled me aside later, and I was like, "Hey, were you okay with him like jumping in there and getting those photos and everything? Because like I didn't want to make it weird, but I also didn't want you to be uncomfortable." And I was like, yeah, like, I've I've since, like, in my sobriety, this is a new thing for me, like, learn how to make boundaries, learn how to say no when I don't feel comfortable or safe Mm -hmm. about something. You know, that's something I never knew how to do before, which sobriety has given to me, and this, like, you know, this, like, brain work and spiritual work um, has given to me, but it was cool that we had that moment because it just struck me how, like, two, three years ago that moment wouldn't have happened. Not because Lizzie's not the coolest, like, I didn't know her back then, but, like, In general, like, the girls are really looking for, having each other's backs in a way that I've never seen before, Mm -hmm. because her roommate was cool, I was completely comfortable with him taking photos, but, like, you know, it was, it was, like, something neither of us planned for, and for her to, like, see that, to take her time to see that I was comfortable with it, you know, this is a new, this is just a new, um, new range for women that I haven't seen before. Like, I've always had a lot of female friends, but we just haven't been able to have each other's backs in this really intimate way.
0: Yeah. I feel like the competition is like less. And I feel like, especially for me in sobriety, like I've lost, like I lost my oldest friend that I had ever, wow. um, because of the competitive nature of the relationship. Oh. And I had to learn, we learn what doesn't serve us anymore. Right. Like, yeah. and <clears throat> unfortunately this just, some
1: women haven't broken out of the,
0: the patriarchy, you know, and that's okay. And that's okay because it's cool, we're all you know? still a
1: part of it and we're all still make, like pushing our walls as we have the strength to push them.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's, it, I love that you brought up boundaries. I recently had a conversation where I was arguing almost with a booking agent that's been trying to book me and I don't think I'm going to work with him mainly because he. he I had to explain to him when he tried... Telling me that sex sells. And I said, You have to understand one, I'm 39, I came in late to the game in, in the music industry. And luckily, as a DJ, as an electronic artist, you don't have to be a supermodel necessarily. But at the same time... I mean, look at
1: Skrillex. Yeah. (laughs) Are you you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But at the
0: same time, like, if I was 21, 22, I have no problem with it. I'm like, you go, girl. If you want to be half naked up there DJing, as long as you have skill, do it. We've all, like, sold our sexuality
1: in some capacity,
0: even if it's for a free
1: drink at the bar.
0: Exactly. I have no judgment, and I know you don't either. Of course, not at all. I'm like, but when a woman says, that's not who I am. Don't ask questions. Yeah. She's I allowed trying to, to, to explain herself. it
1: to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, what? My beautiful appearance can make me money? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I've never done that before. just Like, oh, who me? But, I mean, he knows that I'm a DJ at that's club. Like, he
0: understands that I understand that industry. Oh, i met wow. him. Wow. But he's still trying to. He, push one of his on artists you. was doing an event in one of our clubs, and it was like, I'm just like, yo, like, you need to chill, dude. I'm not going to wear lingerie at a gig. Oh. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ.
1: Like, and you don't need to. You know, like. You know, guys so. don't have to. Like, there's so many fugly male DJs who are getting all the puss in the world. I know.
0: And then I. It's so funny. Like,. It's weird because I have these like moments. And then I, I I posted this thing. I don't know if you like her, but I love her, Amber Rose.
1: Oh my I, god, she's like, wait, didn't uh, you see that? I posted that on Facebook, the quote she wrote, and I saw you post it on Oh, Instagram. I think I stole it from you, maybe. <laughs> yes, Besh. Do you want me to pull it up so we can read it? Because yes, it's like literally, it. it's my whole life is this one. Like, I'm pulling up my Instagram right now. Amber Rose is my Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's I love my her. bae.
0: I went to her first slut walk, and I, it, <gasps> oh, I cried. I was out of town that day. When or she else told I would the- Video or when she told the story about Kanye. I have it on video somewhere. Like, oh The thing God. about her is she's bringing feminism to a group of women that don't... A socioeconomic group of women who normally yes. wouldn't know about feminism. Because of so the urban the, the lack which of edging, needs to
1: happen. And even, like, impoverished communities, the way mm-hmm. I grew up. You know, I was the first person in my family to go to college. And I got little snippets of feminism taught to me. I didn't get to take a women's studies class. I always wanted to, but it didn't work out on my schedule. But I got little snippets of it through... Just general college education yeah and so here's the quote i pulled it up I we both this is like we're like such soul sisters dude <laughs> here it is i'll read it this is from amber rose on her instagram a man will never control me shruggy emoji i'm a boss in every sense of the world i run my own businesses and i have employees that work for me whom i take pride in i'm never going to just sit down be quiet and look pretty for anyone that will never be me i am personable Funny, compassionate, and loving. When I walk into a room, I will be the center of attention. Always. It's just how God made me. Just like Sebastian. I'm a ball of sunshine and my energy is always positive. This reminds me of you, Charity, in every way. I'm never going to dim my light because of your insecurities. So if you're an insecure man, stay the fuck away from me, period. Go get you someone that's convenient because I'm not her. I will never apologize for my confidence. You're either going to get with it or get lost. Oh, I love her. Yeah, I just like everything. It's so a weird story. I
0: posted that, and this guy that I was seeing a few oh, months ago—another guy with his opinions—and he hits me up and he basically tells me, because mm-hmm. um, you were saying that a, a, a boy can be ugly and, and DJ, right? And he's also a DJ, and he hits me up and is basically like, you know. Y- y- that saying stuff like that is gonna attract the
1: wrong kind of guys, and you know, what's real the men? wrong kind of guy? Yeah, someone like, like, who respects you as a whole human being. <laughs> yes, and mm. so and this guy's like very, very like conservative, like
0: church conservative, and so we had this crazy conversation, and at the end of it, I I told him I said you picked the wrong day because it was the same day that the booking agent messed with me, oh, and I was like, no. here's my problem, like one, it, it shouldn't be about women and men completing each other. We're two autonomous human beings yeah. who have our own thing going on, enhancing each other's lives and complementing each exactly. other. Exactly. Like complementing
1: each other's both strengths and weaknesses. That's exactly. how I feel. Or
0: woman and woman, kind of, man and man, yeah. whatever, whatever, you know, gender fluid you identify as Right. And so then at the end of it, I brought that up, what you just said. I said, you know, if I want to wear a t-shirt and jeans to the gig, like a, a guy can wear t-shirts and jeans. Boom. He can be that guy. He can be pretty boy um Calvin Harris. Boom. Yeah. He can be that guy. If he wants to wear a marshmallow on his head, he can be that guy. Yeah. Like, why could you, and, and I said this to my best friend. Can we
1: sexualize a marshmallow? Is that That's possible? The thing I said,
0: could you see a girl showing up with a marshmallow on her head <laughs> trying to DJ with her titties out? With her t- I was gonna say with her titties out, with her titties out, with marshmallow pasties. And like, do you know that she would get Thrashed by the community, yeah. people would just tear her apart. Yeah, and it, it and it and it sucks. Would if, if I was twenty one and twenty two, would I want to be like half naked and DJ? Of course, Heck yeah. Of because course. if you've got it, flaunt it. Of course. But the reality is, is that those girls still don't get the respect. Mm-hmm. And I said to this human being, I said, it doesn't matter what a girl dresses like, acts like, whatever. Every human being, no matter how they act, male or woman if we have to f- include men in this conversation because their egos are going to get hurt. Um, <laughs> Let's just exclude them
1: from this conversation.
0: <laughs> can we please? Everybody deserves respect no matter how you dress, how you... you Amen. know, As long as you're not walking up to people and sucker-punching them in the goddamn face, yeah. you deserve respect as a human being. Of course. You know, like... And so it's just... it's. I- I've literally been going through it lately, as you can tell by my Facebook.
1: <laughs> Girl, I understand. I know. I think, like... Before I got sober, I was definitely, I've always been, like, my voice on the internet. And my voice, you know, in comedy has always been very feminist. And even, like, I'll say before, it was cool. I got a lot of shit for it. But it is really rad seeing, like, so many more feminist voices come out. And also people that, like, didn't think they were feminists, like, being like, okay, that might be a thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to ask you, um, what's it like... Being sober and working as a DJ in a strip club. Because obviously I'm a sober stripper and we can relate upon this.
0: Um, it's really interesting. Like this bruise that's finally going away is because I broke up a fight the other night.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> See, that's what I try to tell people. It's never a dull moment. Like I love my job, it is never a dull moment. Um, never. and as you know,
0: I took a six-month hiatus to do a live streaming gig. Oh my god. Um and then I just came back. Um, and <laughs> you're already throwing bows. Like literally, you know, it's 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 an interesting dichotomy. One, it's like breathing for me because I've been in the industry on and off for so long, yeah. and like seeing these girls who are little miniature versions of me back in yeah, the day. Um, and same. then, um, and then I also get to be a source of light in a very dark place.
1: In, That's how um, I felt, you know, because seeing... there is some
0: darkness in the industry. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. there's is in every industry.
1: You know what it is? There's an undercurrent, and then there's just floating atop the waves. That's sort of like what I've best sort of heard it described as. Like, if you like, oh, I forget the quote. Jack the Stripper had posted a cool quote on one of her comics from an older, a house mom of a strip club, who said something like, "Just keep your like, keep your." surfboard above the waves essentially Mm because I've been in both parts of it. I started dancing and I was still drinking and using for about three months before I got sober. So I experienced it as like what it was painted to be in the movies. And I think I was projecting that my judgment of the strip industry so that I was manifesting that all around me. I was being pitchy to the girls. I was big-headed. Oh, I've been to college. You know, I'm so cool. And, like, thinking I was <laughs> I above the girls. industry. Thinking I was above <laughs> No, girl, and I see them now. I see those baby strippers now, and I resent them. But then I'm like, Casey, check in with yourself. Remember when you did that? Remember when you were a big-headed, egotistical baby stripper who had been to college? I, have a, I have a friend who's been in the industry forever, and it's still like that. <laughs> It's because sometimes we, there's so much projected societal shame upon our industry. There are only certain like things we have to hold on to at times when we're not strong enough in ourselves to keep us okay in the industry. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we, like people always say, when are you getting out of that industry? You know, you have a shelf life. They say like, you can't do that forever. Your body's going to give out on you. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody ever says
0: that to athletes. (laughs) <laughs> why right. yeah. no one ever says that
1: to like like like
0: a football player or a soccer player or a yeah. basketball player nobody says oh you know your body's gonna give out
1: <laughs> or construction worker maybe yeah. they do but i feel oh, like yeah. they hear it in less of a uh ca- condescending way of being told literally what i've been told that you have a shelf life yeah like um some of the girls at work life. who are in their 40s make the most money out of anyone yes. i don't mean that but um oh god what were you saying about the Oh, yeah, just, like... Oh, when I went into the industry, I was, like, still drinking and using, and I had was big-headed ego maniac, you know, hot mess. But now, when I've come through that, and when I got clean, and then I've slowly worked, you know, in recovery, in recovering my brain to its fullest, recovering my soul to its fullest, and my heart, and, like, being less of a selfish bitch, like, now... I like, I kind of love my job. I really do. Like, it doesn't mean just like anybody else in their job, you have moments of burnout where you're tired Mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't really, I feel introverted tonight. I don't really feel like pulling a conversation out of my ass for this rando guy. Mm -hmm. But I have like many nights where I just feel good. I'm the superstar. Everyone tells me I'm the best dancer. So beautiful. Which all the girls here. It's not just me. Mm -hmm. You know, we get complimented and we feel like divas and I get this cathartic release of dance. So I I see both sides of it, and I don't see it. Like, when I go to work, I don't see that darkness that I saw when I was still drinking and I was, like, very suicidal. I don't even, like, view it through that lens anymore. It was only that lens was on when I was, like, blocked off to the world and I was in my addictions. Yeah. And now I see it as this freeing experience that frees up all my time so I can go do creative endeavors and write all the time and, like, hang out with my boyfriend whom I love and, like, go to the beach, you know? Like, I work three nights of the week. Like, it's freeing, you know? It frees up your time. It frees up your head space. Yeah. Versus when I was a waitress, I worked five, six days of the week, couldn't barely make ends meet, was living in poverty, couldn't afford anything, was miserable. Yeah, I know? mean, that's
0: the thing about the industry is that it's, it's funny because I wish I – like, they always tell you, the only regret that I ever have in, like, a lot of my stuff is that I wish I had – um I wish I'd saved a lot more money back yeah. when it was still good before yeah. 08, the, before yeah, the market crash. Yeah, it's not crashed, so good anymore. <laughs> or before the internet showed up, you know, yeah. because the internet took a huge mm-hmm. crash with the industry. The industry mm-hmm. used to be a guy could come in and he could see a pretty girl because mm-hmm. he couldn't see a pretty girl naked except yeah. for in a magazine. In a
1: nudie mag. Yeah. Which like hidden in, like, in, in the, the lower
0: drawer of his office, you know? I, I
1: mean, I hear that from the strippers who've been doing it a while all the time. Like, the internet cut into it and, like, I think camming with that and, like, I guess, like, maybe just, like, dancing in L.A. Like, there's so many pretty girls on the streets wearing about as much clothes as we wear at my club at you a bikini go, bar. You can
0: go on Instagram and see titties now.
1: Yeah. So, it's <laughs> like, why would they pay all this money? But, you know, there is something to be said about the physical contact human to human skin, yes. you know. That's Which is
0: the saying. difference between now and 10, 15 years ago. It never used to be any contact.
1: At really? all. And like ever. Really? Like they touch your leg, they were out. That's kinda like my club. But yeah. a lot of clubs are not. Now it's like not, BJs it's full and the contact. Yeah, <laughs> full contact. Full contact. Oh dude, last night it was crazy. I was like giving this guy a lap dance. I look across the lap dance room. And my girlfriend is dancing on this guy, and he, I have not seen this happen before. He reached on his pants. He's about to pull his cock out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. But she scolded him. And apparently he had come in his pants, though, at some point. I mean, it's interesting because once the advent of the, the
0: contact happened, guys oh. got craftier and craftier. Wow. Then they just slip a condom on because you're getting a ladder. I've here. heard that before. And, and then that way Ew. they come in pants. It comes in the condom, which, honestly, I, I think if if I was in that situation, I kind of would rather have the guy do that yeah. than to come in his pants and, you know, like, it's
1: just... I don't really grind, actually physically grind on them for very long. Yeah, I don't think any girl does, but, yeah. I mean, Some guys, guys are easier than others, huh? Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, some guys, <laughs> you know, haven't had it in a while or whatever, you know? <laughs> I'm being nice right
1: now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And it's interesting, like you said, being, like, such a light in the club as a sober person. Do any of the girls ask you about sobriety? Yes, and I, I
0: take them. I've taken them before. It hasn't really stuck with anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. As you know, like, sometimes it sticks. Very rarely it does, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that what it is is once again it's that reprogramming, reprogramming your brain to think differently. Sometimes it's like I was I was watching this thing where um, Hillary's first you know um, uh, interview after she when she finally ended, like came yeah. out of the woodwork recently, yeah. and she said I think that what happened is that people are so used to it being a man, a white man oh, yeah. in charge that. Actually, yeah. Baby Daddy Obama was a little different, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, like, that was different, and it took people a lot to swallow that. That mm-hmm. her following up and having it be so different, yeah, was just too much for people. It was too much. And um, and that's that's literally what we do as human beings. Chaos sometimes is easier if that's all you know. Mm-hmm. Poverty is easier if that's all you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, abusive relationships are easier if that's all you it's know. It's harder
1: to rewire your thinking than to like be in like like it's it's harder to rewire thinking and like get out of dangerous situations than it is to just like be in a happy situation. For me, mm-hmm. like it's taken me twenty eight years to start therapy. And that's doing, like, after doing all kinds of spiritual work and meditations and gratitude lists and talking. And I don't know, it just, it's taken me a long time to get there because sometimes, like, opening up that Pandora's box of pain is um, just way too much. And I get it. And I get why people stay in their same patterns. Um, I did. And I still, I still do. Um, But I'm actively trying to change those patterns. But I gotta tell you, The perfectionist in me always wants to give up. It's like, oh, you slipped up again? Like, you are not the most loving, compassionate, joyous person today? You know, you picked a fight with your boyfriend over nothing? Like, (laughs) you might as well just kill yourself, bitch. Like, that's the inner dialogue because when you grow up with a lot of emotional abuse, being told that you're inherently bad, you're ugly on the inside you know, essentially, like, no one's really loves you, they're just telling you that to fuck you, Um, it's painful for me to let someone in. You know, I I think, like, obviously, I think it's kind of painful for most people to let someone in, the chance of getting hurt. But when it, like, validates all of these, like, really negative self-talk that's, like, you know, burrowed into my skull from emotional abuse, um, yeah, it's, like, easier just to stay alone and kind of just be, like vaguely miserable all the time, which, um, I'm not saying being single, it's all, always that way. I had some amazing happy times just loving me single. Um, but I just didn't want to let anyone in because like just the rewiring is too painful. Yeah. You know? And when you see people repeat the same unhealthy patterns over and over, I guess I do have a lot of compassion for that because like mm-hmm. I fucking get it, you know, change is like hard. Real inner change is, is hard. That's, that's the hard stuff. That's the really hard stuff. Like, I think it starts sometimes, like, I hear a lot of people talk about, like, changing their friends. And I'm like, that's, that's a good step. Like, if you're surrounded by people who don't actually care about you or treat you well, that's a good step. And that's sort of where I started. But it was sort of just a pushing everyone away. And, like, yeah, that cleans house. But, like, am I really letting in, anyone in and doing that real inner work where I can let them into my heart, you know? Yeah. It's hard, dude. It's
0: fucking hard. And it's interesting. I feel like, you know, our industry gets that stigma of like daddy issues and, you know, Mm -hmm. someone's always like, oh, daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I feel like everybody has daddy issues. Like Marianne Williamson, if you know who she is, has this book called A Woman's Worth and she talks about how what happens is that when men have daughters, at a certain point, they become women, young women. Yeah. And a lot of men... If they haven't been given the skills, like most of our fathers and stuff haven't, they don't know really know how to deal with a young woman that they can't sexualize.
1: You know what I mean? And even then, like
0: you start growing female like, and so they push you away. Almost every girl has issues of their dad pushing them away, Mm -hmm. or or if if it's worse, like my story, where it's like a stepdad who didn't didn't want you, and a biological father that was never around, Mm -hmm. um, that was non-existent. Then it, it. it it creates this sort of like, what we do is we grow up trying to recreate that that pattern, yeah. so that we can have a different outcome. Mm. And it's like, Interesting. and that's so women. It, it, it's it's like this weird thing with women especially with our dads because that's your first male influence in your life. You know? And so it's interesting because I feel like all women have that. No matter what industry you're in, it's just that we're working Mm. with men. So we're going to be acting out on those from that first that first experience. So we're going to be interacting with them as we do with all men. Yeah. Whereas like a teacher doesn't interact with that's had the same experience that we have. She doesn't mm. interact with men on a, such a high volume, sexualized basis. level. Yeah, that that we do. So yeah, it's, it's
1: very high volume. It's like mm-hmm. speed dating. You're sitting with a guy, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, five minutes. Just go, 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 go. Yeah, and like it's hard not to like see them as just like a wallet sometimes. And like when I went into industry, I still had so much hatred and vitriol towards men because um, not because of my father. But just, like, the way that, like, I'd never been accepted by my male peers in comedy, at school, um, in friend groups, to, like, speak up as loudly. I've always been the class clown, the center of attention. Like, Amber Rose's quote, like, I will be the center of attention. I will be a beacon of light, and I'm not going to dim it for you. That's how I've always been. I wanted everyone to look at me and everyone to laugh at my jokes, but, like, Guys would just, like, if I told a joke in class, I'd mutter it under my breath. The guy sitting next to me would repeat it louder, take all the laughs. It happened all the time. So, just, like, my hatred of men not treating me as equal, stealing my jokes, not giving me respect as, like, an intelligent being. Um, like, I went to the strip club hating men. And, you know, in my spiritual growth, like, I don't really hate men as much anymore. I always have, like, some, like, low level of, like, kind of, like, distaste for them. (laughs) Um... But not to the capacity that I hear a lot of my coworkers will just go off about how much they hate men and that's how I used to be. And I'm just like, hey, if I can exploit this type, like not even exploit, but like exploit the patriarchy by working in sex work as a feminist, like I get to make money like for doing such little amounts of work. Like for me, working three nights of the week, like, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's an, it's emotionally taxing. It's physically taxing. But I only do three nights of the week. And most of the time, like, I feel like a goddess who's being worshipped. Yeah. But people are like, you know, how do you do that as a feminist? Well, we're all living in this patriarchal society that is capitalism. And unless capitalism crumbles, we're going to be living in a man's world. And I feel like I can exploit it however the fuck I want. I mean, I don't even... I pay taxes. Like, why should I feel ashamed about my job?
0: I also feel like what's happened um, in the last the reason this industry is so big and it's really, the the industry hasn't been around that long. It's been around maybe, you know, 60 years, 70 years at the most and it posts dates um, uh, like brothels, right? Yeah. The reality is is that men are living in a weird time. I will give them this. As a hardcore feminist, I also feel like, you know, like intersectional, like you need to make sure you understand the other person's side of things. I'm not Mm -hmm. a man-hating feminist. I, I, my... Might play one on Facebook, but. I can. I can definitely <laughs> yeah. be.
1: I have no shame about it.
0: <laughs> um, but I feel like what's happened is men have always been raised to be, you're the provider, you're the center of the household, True. you take care of the family, etc. right? And it's so much pressure. Like, it's so much pressure, but it's yes. not even that. It's that in the last 50, 60 years, us women are now taking on those traits, being the center of the household, bringing in the bread, et cetera. But men are still being taught. We're being taught differently to be stand up for ourselves, take care of ourselves, yeah, pay our own independent bills. Independent
1: woman, ind- but, don't need, don't rely on a
0: man. But men aren't being taught that anymore. Hmm. They're still being they're still being taught the same. They're still being taught the yeah. same the same thing that they were being taught yeah, sixty years ago.
1: Because my boyfriend, like, he's very young. He's still in school. I have no expectations for him to like, like buy us a home right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we're not there yet. But um, I notice – I never noticed this before, like, with a partner. Well, I was younger with my last boyfriend. But even at 23, he feels so much pressure to provide and build a solid career and stack money and make financial success for himself, um, even take care of me. Um, We're not even living together yet, but there's – he, I see that he feels that pressure. He might not always say it out loud. He'll say it in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've talked with my mentor about that. Like, guys still feel this pressure that, like, I wasn't even aware of because of what you're saying, which is, like, the way I was raised, was, like, go to college, get an education, provide for yourself, do not rely on a man. So, you're right. I never thought about it that way, that, like, guys are still receiving these this information that their worth is in their pocketbook, whereas we're thinking, like... I just want a man who's loyal and good to me. Yeah. But they still think that, like, they're supposed to, like, financially take care of us. And, you know, of course I'd love to be financially taken care of, of, like, not gonna lie. But, like, it's so much pressure for them that, like, sometimes he, like, future trips so badly, even though he's still in fucking school. Like, it kills him. You know? And I didn't realize that he was experiencing that kind of pressure at age 23 as a dude. I mean, because they always are. And I feel like, because
0: this is the the circle of this thought, is I've always felt for a very long time that that's where strippers come in. A guy gets so much flack in his daily life that we're his escape, because he's still Mm. being taught to take care of a woman in some way. And so I I once heard a customer say fair exchange is not robbery.
1: That's
0: so cool. So I feel like, 60% 60% of the guys that come in are coming in to get their power
1: back. That's so beautiful. I never fucking thought about it before. I've always just thought, like, a lot of the psych psychology excuse me, behind it is, like, you know, just getting fawned over by pretty girls is fun. It's that like too. a fantasy land. Of course, there are, are always little components, but I never thought about it that way before, and that's so real. It's like they get off on being the man, mm-hmm. being the provider. Yes. You know, because I'm always, like, super, super thankful whenever they pay me for a lap dance. When they pay me on stage, I say thank you. I go up to them and say thank you for tipping me on stage. I thank them for the lap dance. I give them a hug oftentimes. And I I can, because I'm thankful, because I feel like I did such minimal labor for so much money Mm -hmm. sometimes. And, um, yeah, but they're always, like, I should be the one thanking you. Yeah, because, because they've been taught, they're still being taught. Wow. That
0: the way and i mean it's still that way you know what i mean like even the the d boys that come in and make it rain and stuff which is how the industry is kind of going now it's it's moving yeah. more away from the businessmen coming in and spending their money oh, yeah, totally. to get their power back which is what it's always been even the d boys that come in it's like it's a power thing with men because ah. we're not teaching men any different um any different Methodist, reality yeah. you know so Really, feminism needs to start with how we're teaching young men.
1: I know, and that's because, you know, I've been in, you know, for the past... Pa- well, before I got sober particularly, there was, like, three, four years where, like, all my tweets, all my posts, all my comedy was, like, how much I hated men, which I think is fair because, like, just the amount of flack women have gotten in everyday conversation, in the group setting, in comedy, on the stage, wherever, in life. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Like, I feel good that I just shat on men for, like, four years. Well, but I am mean, where I'm getting... because,
0: because we're getting men are predatory towards women still. Oh, yeah. And so Absolutely. so that's... It's it's not that we're shouting on them. It's
1: self-defense, but keep going. But my next friend here, like you just said, especially now, you know, having a boyfriend and starting to see him as a human and not just, like, you know, guys of my past where I was like, this guy just wants to use me for sex, so I'm just going to use him back. And it was just yeah. very unhealthy, but starting to, like, see a man as a person with feelings, um... I've realized that like with my feminism it started to evolve into like can we teach can we teach guys that it's okay that they have sensitivities and emotions and like because when they aren't allowed to express their emotions and their sadness and their just like their different feelings it's just gonna come out as rage it's just Mm -hmm. gonna come out as jealousy it's just gonna come out in ugly ugly ways and like I'm just learning these things, you know, through just having a relationship and, like, starting to see a man as, like, a whole human. Just, like, I want him to see me. You know, as a woman, I want to be allowed to have anger. I want to be allowed to be the center of attention and narcissistic and et cetera. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm a whole person. But then I'm like, oh, wait, Casey, you need to let the dude also be a full person who, like, gets sad sometimes. And sometimes, like has confused feelings about something within himself and let him express that fully. Because when I let my partner do that, like, I'm seeing how, like, you know, our our quiet resentments start fading away. The quiet resentments that exist between straight men and straight women, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think the next frontier is, like, for me at least, is, like, okay, um, how about we don't make fun of guys for, like, crying or having feelings because do you really want dudes that are just going to be like aggressive and physically violent i mean because that's what we're dealing with on a daily
0: basis you know what i mean yeah like that like i it's it's crazy because i mean you see my rants you saw i like can get getting accosted on the street you know like i walked to the bank four blocks and some guy pulled up his car twice and opened his door like he was gonna jump out at me you know Mm -hmm. and and you know, the answer to that by all my guy friends is what were you wearing? You know, kind of stuff. How is that ever a
1: question still? It's 2017. Grow up. It's just like, it's just like, you know, it's really
0: hard not to take out, and I think men and women both need to be conscious of this, not to take out our past, uh, past experiences with other people onto the person that we're talking to.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, so we just have like ten minutes left here. How's how's dating? How's that going? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I'm not talk about it. going right now. I know and you had a couple dudes that you were bouncing around. So how's I was dating in the age of social media and apps.
0: Then? So I was, as you know, I was celibate for three years, um, mm-hmm. by choice for the most part. Um,
1: because <laughs> dry, for the most
0: part, because yeah. one, I wanted to have this surgery, and mm. I mean, when I got pregnant at that time and had the abortion, it was with a condom. I wasn't being wow. stupid, and the condom broke, wow. and um, I—that's uh, that's my guess, at least, or something got through the condom or whatever, and I, we didn't realize it. It literally happened on my birthday, right before I got sober. Um, wow. I, it happened on April first, um, 2012, and then in June, um, beginning of June, I was in detox. And, um, uh, I, I basically, I'm at this point, like, after my surgery, I was like, oh my God, fucking guy, and I gotta get laid, <laughs> and I hooked up with a couple guys, and the problem yeah. is, is, one, there was the one, the one that just texted me recently, that was like, you know, over the Amber Rose quote, and... He's a really amazing human being and I have nothing but love for him because I can understand his point of view. And it's funny because finally we talked about him side messaging me last week and I was like, you know, you keep saying you're old school and you're different and you... I'm like, but you kind of played me a little bit because we hooked up and then... And, and I don't hook up with people right away usually. No. Um. So with him, I was just like, you know, I, I hooked up with him after like a month and a half and then he got in the, well, I don't know if I'm ready for a relationship kind of thing, right? And so I was just like, peace, like... I'm at this point in my life where if you're not going to give me something more than a situationship, which is what people are in situationship. now, then I don't That's have time. Beautiful.
1: I don't have time. Yeah. I quit. When I met my boyfriend, I quit dating and it wasn't like a stand my foot on the ground, cross my arms, kind of like humph anymore. It was like a surrendering because I had put myself in so many uncomfortable and miserable situations with guys where I was like, there was just this period of time last summer where about five different dudes hit me up when they were rebounding, and I was like, I see a pattern here. My higher power is showing me a pattern here that must have maybe something a little bit to do with me, the energy I'm putting out there, the flirtations I'm putting out there, mm-hmm. how I'm presenting myself. I'm not saying asking for it. That's not what I'm saying, but I definitely would talk to guys in a way. It was very flirtatious, and I'm like, why am I always the rebound and not the lasting girl? And so I hit this surrendering point where I was like, oh, I don't have to chase. I can just be this glorious sexual me and, like, put all of that energy into, like, it sounds weird, but to me it helped just, like, fucking dressing my best for me, taking selfies for me, going and doing fun stuff. I went to music festivals alone and I had a fucking blast. Like, I, yeah. ran, to, I ran into multiple friends at the, at FYF last year. and run, I remember that. I'd run with them for, like a stage set, and then I realized, like, I was having more fun by myself, and I was stone cold sober, I had my Red Bull, I ran off to another stage by myself, I was like, phew, I'm free of that friend, or, oh, you know, not in a mean way, but I'd, I ran into people I knew, and they were like, hey, wanna go watch this set, but I had more fun alone, and I just got into, like, I'm really fucking feeling myself mode, that when my boyfriend came along, I was like... I was like, whatever, like, I could take him or leave him, like, whatever, I guess I'll hang out with him, because I always thought he was super cute, and then, you know, we got to this point where he, where I almost hooked up with him, he's like, actually, I want to wait and get to know you better, and that was the first guy that said that to me See, I love that. Years. I hadn't heard that in years, so it was just, like, it was so cool, because it was just like, oh, yeah, like, there is this pattern where I just hook up with guys, and I threw them to the side, because that was what I was about to do with him, because I just get too much in my own head, and I don't want to let people in. See, my thing is opposite. Is that I hook up with people, I get to know
0: them a little bit, hook up with them, and then I go into full blown relationship mode, which mm-hmm. is so like I was always in. I was never. I never had like a sleeping around phase really. Like, oh, um, I I, I, no, but I. I wish I had. Part of me. I always keep joking because I'm 39. I keep joking mm-hmm. and saying. I'm just going to be a cougar now. You know <laughs> you I mean? should. I love the young boys. I love them so much. But see, that's what happened with the second guy. The other guy I hooked up with after this other guy, he, like, I'd known him for a long time, and he hit me up, and he was like, hey, we're going to hang. He's like, I want a relationship, because I posted an overheard wow. away thing wow. about, about, Some girl that said, my therapist said that I should change my bumble age to 30 because that's the sweet spot between sexual dysfunction and immaturity. And he hits me up and he goes, you know I'm 33. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, what's your dream date? Let me take you out. So we go out on like a couple really great dates, Mm -hmm. hang out. He's like, we're going to have a relationship. And I'm like, we like made out. And I was like, oh, he's packing. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. So I hook up with him and immediately he gets weird. Oi. And so he pretty much like semi ghosted on me mm. and um, and so I just I'm 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 and, and then I realized what what I was doing is that I had the surgery and then I was like oh, because I was single for so long, I was like, Oh my yeah. god, I'm gonna date now. Yeah. But then I like you said, you can't force it.
1: Oh, I tried to force it with so many people and I tried to <laughs> manipulate in so many ways. And like I just had to hit a wall with it where I was like, This isn't even fun anymore. I'm not getting any validation out of it. Part part of Half my hookups were just so I could hear a man tell me I looked good naked. That was the only reason. <laughs> tell me that i'm like why did i just fuck him I'm like he didn't snuggle me after Listen, he didn't tell me i, I have seen
0: you naked and i guarantee you look good naked i
1: do look good naked i look so good i'm like someone needs to see this but
0: see i had a friend once tell me that dating is like trying on a pair of shoes you try on a pair and you're like oh that would work for that occasion but i don't know if i like the color you try on the mm-hmm. next pair and you're like well it's that same color
1: it's a little more comfortable and you mm-hmm. just keep going until you find the pair you know what I think? I read this really interesting article that my friend posted on Facebook the other day, and it was just about, like, I thought it was cool. I don't know. It was just, like, a new perspective on it. It was about, like, that not necessarily that we, it's just that we don't have a soulmate. Like, there's so many people in the world, so many circumstances, so many languages. Like, we don't have a soulmate. We can have tons of soulmates, right? Or just people we are compatible with in some way. And, like, the, the comparison that the author used was, like, there are these two, like, carrots they once saw, like, growing, um, they, they, like, grew around each other, like, in a swirl, kind of, so it's, like, she was talking about how her boyfriend, who she'd been with for a very long time, like, she's, like, I don't know that he's my one-one, but, like, we're carrots, we're each other's carrots, like, we just grew together, and, like, we just stuck it through, and we kept learning through each other, and I really like that perspective, because I, I'm one of those grass is greener people, like, but mm-hmm. what if my soulmate is waiting for me in a library right now? Like, you know, so like, what if the one, one is waiting for me? I was even thinking about this today, how I've met, like, over the last, like, five years since moving to LA, I've had, like, I would say about two or three different guys that I would say are my soulmates. And I mean that because we were physically attracted to each other, we could make each other laugh till the end of time, our conversations just flowed, but all of those different dudes, actually, it was, like, two different guys. Two different guys I can think of off the top of my head. Since I moved to LA that I'm like there they I could see myself with them forever mm-hmm. we just really are compatible physically emotionally humor wise but neither of them was ready for a relationship they were both in a in that place wherever it was in their life because of whatever was happening in their life because of x y and z where they're like I can't do it and they I know they felt the fucking chemistry as much as I felt it it was a fucking fire with both of those guys like I haven't felt like that. And there's one guy from high school kind of like that, too, I could name. But throughout my life, there's only been a few dudes. But there's been a couple soulmates, and I never ended up dating those guys because those guys were not ready for a relationship. They weren't ready to love themselves enough to be with a strong, powerful, independent woman that worked in a strip club or who was flirtatious or who was the center of attention. They couldn't handle it, even though we both felt the chemistry like a motherfucker. Yeah. And the guy I'm with now... I would call them my carrot. We call each other each other's carrots. Like, we grow together. We learn from each other. I wouldn't say we have as much chemistry as I've had with some other guy from a long time ago. But those guys are not – they they are not in a space to date. And, like – so I just think it's about, like, finding your carrot, finding the person who wants to grow with you, who wants to give and receive love from you. And, like, sometimes it's just, you know, we have a lot of soulmates, I think. I kind of feel like, and I'll close with this because I know we're running out of time. I also feel like,
0: like, I don't watch TV or movies um, because I realized that I was letting the fantasy of having a soulmate yes. or a one. Yes, And this idea of what yes. it should look like yes. or my life should look like imprint on me. Yes. And the reality is, is that, that's not how none of that is reality. And no. people think that people t- way too often uh, misplace lust for love.
1: Yeah. Amen. And love is like it's work. Love is work. It is daily work. Like, I love you, Casey. Yeah, but I, I love like you. you. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Like right. it's two totally different things. Mm-hmm. And if we could teach young men and women the difference between those, mm-hmm. we would change the world. It would revolutionize the world. To
1: be honest, like the labor that is love has been so much more rewarding to me than any of those lustful fire explosions I've had. TBH. Um, so we're going to close up. <laughs> what a note to leave on. What a time. I love you so much, Charity. I love
0: you too. Thank I'm you for so inviting me. You're in my love. I'm so honored to be the first one. I was yeah. like, yeah.
1: Girl, do you have any anywhere um, people can find you online or any shows coming up?
0: Um, I have a show in Westwood on Wednesday. Every other Wednesday, I do a thing at 77 West. Um, it's just me and turntables. I'm playing at the airliner on Monday. For Memorial Day. Um, But if you would like to find me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Instagram, and it's all under bubble wrap. This is how you spell it because I spell it bougie. (laughs) B-U-B-B-L-E-W-R-A-P-P-E. That's two P's and an E. Wonderful.
1: You're rad. Thank you. This was the Freak Show podcast. Bye.